This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's good! It's good! It's good! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball, turn, picks a flow, and touchdown the is frozen over. of the 2022 season. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Oh, baby. Welcome in to this special edition, this live bourbon mailbag. Of Inside Black and Gold, I'm Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports Producer, alongside WWL St. Sideline Reporter Steve Geller. And we found we had a lot of questions that we wanted to get answered, so we wanted to do a live mailbag. We've been, we've been streaming, and we've collected all of these questions on YouTube, so we're going we're gonna to answer them as we go down, kind of a, kind of a, live, uh, a live fire exercise. And uh, we've only been drinking a little bit, but, it's, but, but we're going we're gonna to let it happen. Uh, Jerry over here. We're back. He's always excited. I love this guy. He's here every night. Every time we stream, he's right here. He's always got something to say. He's always really nice to me, and I appreciate that. I was going to say, definitely appreciate it. Nice that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast, five stars. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. I really do appreciate reviews. You know, I, I can't say enough how helpful it is because we're doing this podcast. We don't know what it is that we don't know. We don't know if we're doing stuff that's annoying you. We don't know if we're doing stuff that you like, that you want to get more of. So if you, there is that and you want to let us know, if you want us to fix something, if you think my voice is annoying, I, I don't know what I could do about that, but I'll, I'll try. They're just going to click I'll off leave that. A comment, leave a review. And without further ado, let's go, let's go to my first question, which I find really kind of funny, is um, <laughs> would you all send a 504 and co, 504 company, would y'all send the Jets a sixth or a seventh rounder for Quan? Now, if the Saints wanted Quan Alexander, they would have signed Quan Alexander. <laughs> I mean, they, they had every opportunity; they chose not to. And I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they just waited too long, and now they got—they're doubting themselves, so they're going to send the package some picks over to, to the Jets. Yeah, I, I, I think maybe they were—they were trying to wait it out. And they maybe they thought he would just still be there, but they've already traded for Quan once. I don't think they're going to do it again. I don't know if I've ever seen a team trade for the same player twice. <laughs> be I think fun. that would be that might be a first in the NFL. I don't know if that's ever happened, um, but I will say no. I do not think the Saints would send a draft pick to the Jets who just signed Quan. They want him. 
uh, for for Quan Alexander. I don't see it. The Jets did let the Mario Davis go twice, but it wasn't one was free agency, and obviously they had drafted him. Yeah, but they didn't trade for him. No, no, but I'm just saying they let him go twice, which is ridiculous to me. Yeah, and I like Quan. I I don't understand why Quan keeps getting into the offseason without a contract. It's so strange. Um, but I think everybody's obviously just is concerned with his history of in- injuries, and you know he's not going to last you an entire season. And the fact that he put he he lasted pretty he was pretty durable last year. He went into the offseason healthy. His his performance on the field maybe it gets too much credit then for where where it actually is. I think and his, you think so. Yeah, and I th- I definitely think he's a great another another great voice for the locker room. Obviously, part of that juice boys legendary able to hype up guys. And I was really amazed when he came to this team. It was like immediately it seemed like there was this bond already with him. Like so many guys, uh, I don't want to say followed, but they definitely kind of looked up to him. I think that you know if you wanted to make an argument for why the Saints should have brought him back, it's because he and Demario Davis vibe as well as any two linebackers can vibe. And this is a team that plays, you know, 90, 93% of its snaps out of the nickel. When Demario you want to get that, CJ on the field. When Demario so, had that reference of dude, where's my car with Quan yes. Alexander? That was the be all end all right there. They should have got the tattoos. That would have been funny. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is a team that plays a majority of its snaps, a vast majority of its snap out of the nickel. So, you know, you only need two linebackers. And, I, I understand why you you wanted to get Pete Werner on the field and you wanted to give him that opportunity. And then I think that's what it ultimately um, you don't want to bring Quan back. And maybe this is what this is what led Quan to want to go elsewhere. Is I don't think you want to bring Quan back and say you're backing up Pete Werner. I don't think that that's what Quan wants to do at this point in his career. And that might have been the the hurdle. Nobody was knocking down the door either, obviously, for Quan Alexander. Or Kiko Alonso, apparently, who showed up for one day, looked like Thor, and then retired I like that Thor. I'm done with this. I'd never play football again. <laughs> I thought that was a good joke. You didn't laugh at it. <laughs> He's like, I need to go back and... Uh, to Asgard? Yes. Play Fortnite. Drink beer. Fortnite. Uh, it w- Not our it w- sponsor. Uh, we, we did we did comment on, too. It was odd seeing him in the same number as yes. Alex Anzalone and having that hair flowing out the helmet but now that that's gone too we don't have another thor in in the, in the linebacker he was even wearing 47 it was it was kismet um but moving on no i do not think the saints are going to trade for Quan alexander um after trading for him once and then not signing him there's a chance hey what if he doesn't make the jets roster even you're drunk steve what, you, okay, you, moving you, on. You, we got, we, we got, we, we, we only have so much time. Board? We can't infinitely talk about Quan Alexander. We got to move on. We have other questions. This I'm one, just from, it's, it's possible he doesn't even make the Jets. Yeah, you keep saying that, but we're not talking about that anymore. We're talking about Murtis Lockett. She has a question. Okay. She even tagged it. She even like put a put a header in there. It says mailbag question. What a what a champ. Could Taysom Hill be the Saints MVP at the end of the season if he remains healthy? Yes, he could be, and the reason is. We have not seen Taysom in this do-it-all role since, what, 2018? Since he was blocking a punt, running for a touchdown, catching a touchdown against the Falcons on Thanksgiving? You know, like, that's really the last time we saw do-it-all Taysom when he came in against the Vikings and was the unstoppable player in the playoffs, and then they gave Drew Brees the ball, and he fumbled immediately. Like, that's the last time we saw Taysom Hill in this Swiss Army knife role 
And I'm excited about it. I think that that was, that's what really got me excited about Taysom Hill. It wasn't him being a quarterback. I understand why he wanted to get his shot. I understand why Sean felt obligated to, to give him that opportunity, but that is just not what makes Taysom special. And what makes Taysom special is, is doing things that you can't defend and making the defense uncomfortable at all times. And if he's healthy and he's able to get through the season, yes, he could score 10 to 12 touchdowns in the right circumstances. I think he is going to be a player that we're talking about by the end of the season as a fantasy dynamo because he's scoring week after week after week. You know, he's not going to put up the crazy yardage numbers, but he's going to he's going to bolt your touchdowns like an animal. And I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully he can get back on the field. I feel like we're turning into a uh, uh, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp or whoever kind of show because I, I'm, you're you're like on the whole positive end of the spectrum here. I'm a positive and- guy. And I, I guess I'm taking more of the negative approach where because I'm, I'm more concerned about uh, the age and the injury history of Taysom. We, we just got him back from the Liz Frank injury and everyone was happy for the start of camp. And then, boom, the next day we found out he's got a rib injury. And it, it's great seeing him working off to the side. But another guy that I, I'm kind of wanting, I wanted to see him in action in training camp and back in this Swiss Army knife role back as this contributor on special teams and and not with the red practice jersey on focusing on quarterback but yeah the, the injury history that that's the big one right there if he remains healthy is the huge question mark right there just because of what we, we we've seen with him at the past and we know even his uh had a his history of concussions uh as well hopefully you know he can stay on the field this year i'm not obviously uh, wishing anything against Taysom. I just worry about a 32-year-old being able to last in this league uh, considering the injury history he's had already. And we are not. E- we didn't even get started, and he already busted his ribs. Yes, but again, as I pointed out, I think that was more about Taysom. What? Not, I think that what really – I genuinely think what happened with this rib injury is Taysom forgot – that he's allowed to get hit now, right? And 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 well, we weren't even we weren't even in full pads. But that's if they were wearing pads, he wouldn't have got a rib injury because his ribs would have been protected by the pads. That's what I'm saying. I think he'll be fine. I'm more worried about his foot. I'm worried about his head. His ribs. Yeah, he only needs. I mean, you have so many. You only, you don't need them all. I I just think that. Taysom Hill, when used in the correct way, when used in the way that he was initially deployed by the Saints, is an unstoppable force. And if you're going to do it the right way, he and the question was, can he be the Saints MVP? And I'm telling you, if Taysom Hill, you know, has 500 yards receiving, you know, 200, 300 yards rushing and scores eight, nine touchdowns, which I think is reasonable if he's deployed in the way that he should be deployed, which is, you know, QB power in the red zone, um, you know, just a guy who's going to get rushing attempts, going to line up in the back, who's going to line up all over the formation, play 17 games, you know, maybe, okay, 15 probably. He's going to get hurt at some point. He always does. Uh, uh, I'm not saying pump, he he necessarily will pump, be. Pump block, field goal block, obviously. Can, well, right, right, right. And you're there. also talking about, you know, the eight, nine touchdowns might be unrealistic, but I'm saying, like, he's going to get so. touchdowns. I, yeah, I don't think that eight nine is unrealistic at all for Taysom. It, back in that role of being the Swiss Army knife, especially right. that that QB power punts, in the red zone is un, almost unstoppable. You know, I I mean I I love Taysom, and I've always been a huge fan of Taysom. I never wanted him to be the starting quarterback, but I'm just such a huge fan of like how hard he plays and the fact that he's willing to do anything. And 
You know, so that's that to me, most valuable player. We're not talking about the best player in the world. We're talking about the most valuable player. I think he could be that. Okay. You disagree and that's fine. You're wrong. We'll move on. <laughs> Next. Okay. This isn't really a question. Well, I guess it is a question. My wide receiver lineup is Jerry, the OG, Pore Jr. His wide receiver lineup, Thomas, wide receiver one, Olave, wide receiver two, Landry, wide receiver three, Deontay Hardy, wide receiver four, Marquez Callaway, wide receiver five, Aesop Winston Jr., wide receiver six. Your thoughts? Um, I'm curious, what about Aesop, cousin Winston, has, has gotten you excited um, I think he, he has some special teams potential. I think he, he's a decent returner, but you know, the saints brought in a special teams ace to, to back up Deontay Hardy, who I think they probably don't want to pay with like, we were talking about CJ. Uh, I think Deontay is a guy they, they probably don't pay. Um, so I don't know about Aesop. What do you think, Steve? Uh, immediately to me, I actually would have, Traquan ahead of Callaway. And yeah, Traquan's not on Jerry's list. No, and surprisingly, he is on mine because I've I've been a Traquan doubter, I guess, just because of his injury history and the lack of consistency we, we've seen from him when he has played. But I, I got to give it to him. I think he's had a pretty decent camp so far. And right now, I would say he's he would be my wide receiver four ahead of Callaway. But other than yeah, that, I, I mean, I, I understand. Like, I think I think Aesop has the the familiarity element, but I I mean, I'm putting Traquan ahead of him. I think Traquan. No one wants to talk about it, but he's had a very good camp, and he does things that other wide receivers don't want to do or don't excel at, which is block. You know, we dirty work we, for we sure. Talk about the receiving. We talk about all this, but receiver's got to block too, and he does it as well as anybody. And that's more than any other reason. That's why he's on the roster. We talked to him. Uh, or I talked to him uh, like a few days ago, uh, maybe it was last week. And I asked him, like, what is your goal? What is your biggest goal this camp? And he's like, they get through it healthy, right? And I think that was a great answer. And it's true. Like he he recognizes this. He has not been healthy. And I think if he gets through it healthy, he's going to be on that list right behind Callaway. Um, if we're going in on, I, I don't, I haven't seen anything from Aesop that's gotten me really excited. The guys who I've seen stuff from that I've been excited about, Kirk Merritt. Definitely. Been really good. And I don't know if he's going to make this roster, but I think he's going to make an NFL roster. I think he would have made this roster last year if you know if if he was on if he was competing in camp last year, he's making that team because he's been that good. Yeah, I agree with you with the fact that though it's gonna, it, it's really tough with this roster, obviously, just because those offseason additions really changed the whole makeup of this this wide receiving core. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Marquez has not impressed me. I, I think that if I had to pick a guy who was disappointing in camp, it would be Marquez in it because it's because I expected him to take a step forward and he just can't get separation. And it's something we saw last year and he makes some incredible catches, but I think it's because he has to make those incredible catches. I was Another guy, Dejon Dixon, I've been impressed with. I think he's going to be a solid player. And then, yeah, Traquan, Dejon Dixon, and Kirk Merritt all have an argument to go ahead of Aesop. So I, 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 don't, think that, I don't think he's the guy. Yeah, you were mentioned with Callaway, and for me too, I've seen the physicality, the able, the ability to high point the football, but there's been no, there's still not that separation issue, which was obviously a, a, an inst, an, a, uh, a problem last year that just, I, I don't know how you, you work on that either. 
<laughs> yeah, how do you, how do you get I, better separation? I thought this comment was funny uh, from T Dirty. He's got he's got he's got jokes. T Dirty's got jokes. He says Traquan is on my list, my list. Yeah, we just do that out there. I'm yeah, I, I get it. I, I understand totally. But you can't ignore what he's <laughs> what he's he's done for on the you field know, so far. And I, I think Traquan gets a bad rap because it's like he's hurt all the time. But you know, there, it's not an effort thing. He's working. He's trying. You know, and he's had big games. I think that's that's why I'm I'm more susceptible to Traquan hype than some others because I think that it's he's he's had a low key big number of big games. Like you, there's a lot of Saints players out there that you have high expectations for, but haven't really done anything to like uh, solidify them. Trey has had a 10 catch game. Trey had a monster game against the Eagles his rookie season. Trey had a big game against Washington. He caught that long touchdown from Breeze that set the record. Trey yep. had a monster game in uh, week four of the 2020 season against the Lions. Remember, everyone was out. Both cornerbacks were out. The Saints were down 14 nothing. I think uh, Breeze threw a pick six or an interception on the first drive. And Traquan is the guy who sealed that game. He got two touchdowns. He got a massive third down conversion late in the game. And he had a big game in week 17 last year or week 18 last year. When the Saints needed to win that game, we can we we can talk we can let it go because they didn't make the playoffs. But, but that was a must-win game, right? right? But the Saints didn't know that they weren't going to make the playoffs when they were playing it. So like that was a huge game in that moment. And you know, for a while, it looked like they were going to make the playoffs. And he had a big game. He had an incredible touchdown catch in that game. So you know, I think that Trey has, if he can be healthy, right? If he can get through training camp healthy, I think he has a spot on the roster. And I, I mean, we just did this with Taysom Hill, and that's that's obviously the big question. That if you can stay healthy, and obviously, uh, definitely more than with Taysom Hill, we've seen that inability with Traquan Smith. Uh, the the bigger problem, the big another big problem though, was the fact that when he did play, you mentioned the big games, but there were also times he just disappeared and had maybe a catch or two in the contest. Yeah. And I, uh, Jay, Jay Black here, he makes a good point, which is give a rookie a chance, which is, you know, you know, that's why I, I do. I agree with that. I think that there is merit in getting somebody, somebody on your roster, a young player. And I know I said merit. And that's the guy that I think if you're trying to give a rookie a chance, give a young guy a chance, it's Kirk. Um, and I, that was a, that was a pun that didn't work, but Hey, I, I think it works to some extent. Um, we have one more question here that I wanted to, I want to get to, which is, <laughs> he doesn't like Trey. <laughs> and that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I, I can't find it, but someone said uh, the writing's on the wall for Deontay, which is essentially, they're saying that Rashid Shahid, that's the guy you're trying to think of. He is the guy at a Weber State. He's been trying to get healthy and get on the field. But I, no, and I do think that there's, that, 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 that is warranted. When you're talking about Deontay, you're talking about a returner. You're talking about a guy who has been very um, valuable, but has been hurt in in a lot of key moments. And his um, return numbers were down last year. Yeah, and you have to, and it's like you want to get him on the field, but you also need to you need to constantly be, you know, taking care of his snap totals, taking care of his durability, and you know he's going to want to get paid. And I just don't know if if that that position is valuable enough where you pay it. And that's why you bring in Rashid Shahid, who, you know, I don't think he's going to, you know, he might be stashed on the practice squad, but 
you know, that's that's planning for the eventuality that Deontay's out of town. That's hard for me to 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 stomach right now just because we haven't even seen the guy practice. I mean, we've seen more from special teams from Aesop Winston Jr. than I have uh, from Rashid Shahid. I, I recommend that anybody who does not know about Rashid Shahid goes and looks at his college tape because the guy is a stud returner. I mean, he's incredible. And like you bring him in for a reason. Um, and I mean, I don't know if he's going to do anything in the NFL, but I, I trust the Saints' ability to go find a returner. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're pretty I, good I know, at but it. I'm just saying like to say that he's replacing Hardy right, right now is kind of, it's just hard for me to do just because I have seen nothing at practice right now. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to replace, replace Deontay this year. I'm just saying when you get into the off season and you're talking about, okay, how much, how much are we willing to pay Deontay? Um, I think you're going to find out that at a certain point it is, uh, it is tough to pay a returner in a league where you really don't return that many kicks. Yeah. And, and, and it's not the fact that, you know, he's not, hasn't been, He's been good, but he hasn't been like Devin Hester returning balls constantly to the house. Obviously, his his rookie year, he earned All-Pro honors. Uh, last season, though, was it, it was just okay. It wasn't anything impressive, but that was the entire team last year as well. Uh, there, there were just – there wasn't anything standing out anywhere. No, no. And, uh, you know, we kind of got off, off the rails there. But, no, I, I think that I, I would – to answer the question – my thoughts are that Aesop Winston is not the 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 guy that you're gonna that you're gonna see make that final roster spot, um, but you know we'll have to see. Well, obviously we're gonna learn that's on the preseason. A, that's a good question too, is though. How many how many receivers are they gonna keep? I think they're gonna keep six. That's my. You have I think to. There's, I think there's five receivers that you have to keep and one receiver that you got to make a decision on. Um, but let's let's move on. We have a question. What are the what's the feeling around linebacker DeMarco Jackson? His injury is undisclosed, but does it feel like it's a significant injury? Is it an injury at all? I it's it, I think he's dealing with an injury. Um, a lot of guys didn't practice on Saturday. It was a you know the first day or the last day before day off, and I think you're just trying to you're trying to find a way to get keep people two days off so they can kind of recover. Like Zach Bond wasn't dealing with an injury, but he wasn't out there. Um, then there were guys like, you know, Smoke Monday, Kiko Alonso. They were not out there, and they're not going to come back. Jaleel Johnson also went on IR, so he's not going to come back. But I think DeMarco, you know, it, it is concerning anytime you see a rookie, you know, especially, you know, a fifth-round pick who's not guaranteed to make the roster. You know, you've seen the Saints draft a guy and cut them before. And, you know, so it's – I think he will make the roster. I think that they they took him in the fifth round because they, they have faith in him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the – the longer he's out, you know, it, three days isn't anything anything major. You know, Peyton Turner missed two days in week two, and then he came back and wasn't the worst for wear. So I think you're just kind of playing it safe with guys. This, What I've seen from this new training staff is they are not afraid to just pull a guy out of practice. You know, they are not going to send somebody out there that they don't think is healthy or that they don't think is in the right condition or that they don't think is ready to practice. We've seen it with Marcus Davenport. We we heard from Mickey the day before camp started that Marcus's only issue is conditioning. It's been two weeks. Still yeah, there's definitely I don't I don't know if it's a different NFL or just the Saints, but I feel like it's a different NFL where it's it's more about taking the time with players to getting them back to where they're 
you know, they're close as you can be to a hundred percent. Cause I know it's, it's hard to say anyone's ever a hundred percent in the league, but uh, the old, the old mentality of trying to get guys back as, as quickly as possible, if you're tough enough or, you know, uh, man enough to get back on the field, that's not the case anymore. No. And, and I still think that, you know, DeMarco, he's been working with the the second and third team. He's been working, you know, alongside the Caden Ellis's of the world and, Andrew Dowell. He's been working alongside Andrew Dowell. So DeMarco has been working at the mic. Andrew has been working at the will. And so I think that, you know, they, they're pairing him with Andrew Dowell. And I think that's telling because Andrew has always been the special teams guy since he's been, right. here. he's been the guy who makes an impact in that role. And I think that they're, they're having him follow Andrew Dowell around because they want him to be, you know, the image of Andrew Dowell in the sense that on special teams, he's doing all of the things that you want to see out of a rookie. Um, and so I think you see him make the roster. And I think there's going to be a lot of guys like DeMarco who make the roster specifically for, for special teams. And, you know, if if his injury was significant to the point that he's not that you're worried about it, he could go on IR. And uh, I don't I don't think that that's going to be the case. So I think Eric Wilson's a guy, too, to watch out making the linebacker spot, obviously, uh, just because of uh, that veteran experience that uh, he's been in the, in the games before, knows what he's yeah, doing. 122 tackles a couple of years ago. Exactly. With the Vikings. Although we did see the state of that Vikings defense and Alvin Kamara wrote him for six touchdowns in a game. So it's hard for me to take that 122 tackle season seriously. Like look at it this way. If you're allowing a first down every, and then you get a tackle and then they get another first down and they get a tackle. There's a lot of tackles to be made. So the, the tackle number is not always an indicator of, of good football. It's just, he's the guy who ends up getting there. And I do wonder. I, I do wonder about Eric Wilson. I think that he's been getting he's been getting some first team reps, um, but they've been really aggressive about. You know, they brought in Joe Schobert for a tryout. They brought in Kiko Alonso. It doesn't indicate to me that they're super comfortable with the linebacker room. So, and I, and I think they are comfortable with with Demario and Pete Werner. So it's someone under that level that they're not comfortable with, and I think. Uh, Eric Wilson is the the name where you kind of wonder whether that's the guy that they're kind of shaky on because I think Andrew Dowell is is safely on this roster as a special teamer so I'm not sure where's Lockett Knob Creek if you want it I think I'm drinking Bullet I have a decanter so I don't even know what it is uh, we have, the bottle's gone it's just in, in the oh I'm going with Basil Hayden that's my no, my go to Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to Black and Gold says, who says you can't enjoy a pizza party as an adult? Steve. Oh, I'm definitely all about a pizza party. But, you know, when you have a 12-year-old, he's really not interested in hanging out with you anymore. It's all about his buddy, so... (laughs) Well, what is it? Is it just a friend pizza party, or is it like a like a like a team? He's with a, a, a friend and their family. Obviously, he, he you know they they went out for uh, some pizza, even though he just had it yesterday. So you know he's he's getting his fix. So yeah, back to black and gold. Seeing as Alvin may be starting the season, what is Marcus May looking like right now with his DUI thing? Um, I I don't you know I'm not sure. It's it's kind of up in the air. We'd never really know what the NFL is thinking with his discipline because I don't think the NFL knows what the hell it's thinking with his discipline half the time. And I, yeah, I, I'd like to think that maybe it's, it's a scenario where you could get out of the woods and, and not have um, any issues, but stop. His, his, his case, his hearing is, is scheduled to start pretty soon, huh? Uh, the DUI case, I believe it's this month. I'll look it up. Yeah. And I know that's a, an, a a different scenario also where there's the DUI involved and also supposedly le- also leaving the scene of the crime. Yeah, it's it's one of those situations where there's not a lot of information out there. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to comment on it um, without knowing. Uh, and the last thing I saw, like the last update I was able to find was June 1st. And you're kind of just it's just one of those things where things get pushed back and things get pushed back. The great legal um, system in America. There was a question that I can't seem to find, and we won't pop it up, but I I can relay it. Of all the games on the Saints' schedule this year, what would be the most impressive game for them to win? And I'm going to tell you mine, Steve, and uh, if you want to look up the schedule and kind of make your answer while I'm talking, because I always have a lot to say, um, that'll work. So there's a lot of games that the Saints have to win in order to get to 10, 11 wins, which I think they're going to get to 10, maybe 11. And I think that's where you need to get, and as we saw last year, to really be comfortable in the playoffs. Um, and I think if you get to 10 wins, you're with the, with the extra wild card, you're in there. Um, you know, So you have the Falcons week one, got to win that. You have the Bucks week two at home. I think that I, I think that's a game the Saints lose, to be completely honest with you. I think that this is the finally the game where Tom Brady is just like, okay, enough. <laughs> um, and But I don't think that's, I think that's fine. I think you can lose that game and be comfortable with it. Um, the most impressive game the Saints could win, I think, would be week eight in Arizona. And the reason I say that, so DeAndre, or I'm sorry, DeAndre Hopkins will be back. Um, he suspended the first six games, but he will be back for that game. And the reason it would be incredibly impressive for them to win this game, they have week four in London. They have week five at home against the Seahawks. Week six at home against the Bengals. Those are that's going to be an incredibly difficult game. And then they're playing the Cardinals on Thursday night. So you have a London trip. You don't have a week off after that London trip. So you're, you're dealing with that rest issue. Then you have the Seahawks, a game you should win. Then you have the Bengals, a game you probably should lose based on what we know about the Bengals. And then you have a short week against the Cardinals, a team that is probably, you know, in the top five of the NFC, a team that's probably considered a favorite to, to make some noise and probably get to maybe the NFC championship. I don't know if they're a favorite to get to the Super Bowl, but just with that's a schedule loss. Like there's always games throughout the season where 
it's a schedule loss, and that's what that is, in my opinion. Immediately for me, it was right after that London game, just because it was there's no break for you. You have to go right back and play, but it it's home to Seattle. And we know that Seattle team is, is not anything impressive. Obviously they, there could still be a huge letdown there because that's, sh- that's a really, yeah, that trip to London and back, you know, man, it's not oh easy. Man, you know, we can, we can talk about it all we want, but like that's, these are human beings dealing with jet lag. We've all done it. Like it's not easy. And I, I'm thankful that it is the Seattle Seahawks and it's not the week after where you get the Bengals coming in because that would obviously stand out for me, but the um, the the late the Monday night game in Tampa is going to be tough just because you're coming off, you're at that end of the season too, and it's at Pittsburgh, then you're home to LA, but then at San Fran, and that and at Tampa, at least you have the extra quote unquote day of rest because you're playing Monday night football from a Sunday in San Fran to Monday. Tampa Bay, but th- that's that's going to be a tough one for them right there coming off the West Coast, going all the way to Tampa the next week. So you think the most impressive win would be? At Tampa, week 13, right before the bye, too. Okay. See, I the only reason I disagree with that is because you're in Tampa on national television, and the last two times the Saints went to Tampa and played on national television, they won 38-3 to or whatever. No, I'm sorry. They won 38-3 they won to and 9 nothing. So I, it's I hard you, for me to see that as impressive. I expect it now. But but that stretch right there, that's 13 weeks of football with no break. Oh, I agree with that. I'm just saying the precedent has been set that the Saints are going to go to Tampa and dominate. So it's going to be hard. What would they have to do to impress at this point? Win 70 to nothing? I mean, you've already won 38 to 3. You shut out Tom Brady. It's hard for me to be like, oh, that's impressive now after what we've seen the last two years. I don't disagree with you in terms of the difficulty of going there and winning, but it's just the the bizarre nature of what they've done in Tampa the last two years is kind of skewing it a little bit. Yeah, I guess for me, it's just being able to have that stamina, that durability, that uh, ability just to last 13 weeks and going into the bye week, a win on the road at a division opponent uh, just seems... Uh, like a beautiful way to wrap it up. I just hope they can pull that off because it, it's just that point of the schedule becomes really brutal for them. I don't disagree. Um, and I think that's going to be, you know, whether it's impressive or not, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of splitting hairs here because it's probably a game the saints need to win. Because like I said, I think they probably lose that week two game. I think that that's going to be the game where, you know, if Marcus may get suspended, right. If we do have to deal with that and the safeties aren't ready and you have some issues, uh, Mike T isn't quite up to speed yet. You know, I think he's going to take a couple of games to get back into, you know, the Mike T we remember. You know, maybe that's a game that they lose. And if that's the case, then that game is vital in, in terms of the division. Um, so I, I don't I don't disagree. With you. I'm giving you a hard time. I don't disagree with you. Um, speaking of a hard time, I know I said that I was going to stop talking about Ian Book, but uh, the bourbon has gotten the best of me. St. <laughs> John Butler. Do you guys think Ian Book makes the active roster? Or do they use that slot for another position since they could use Taysom as an emergency QB behind Winston and Dalton? Big now, book. on the last podcast, I said I'm going to stop talking about Ian Book because I don't want to be mean to him. I don't have anything nice to say, and that's what my mom told me to do, and that's what I was going to do, but I'm not going to do it. Ian Book has not been very good. Ian Book, every time I see him touch the ball, it just feels like one read and take off. It feels like the the clock has frozen and there's an ice cube around Ian Book. And he's just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'll scramble. 
in a drill where they can't tackle you. And it's infuriating. It's like, just make a decision and throw the ball. And, and I, I like Ian book. I think that he was a Sean Payton guy. And maybe with a couple more years of working with Sean Payton, maybe with one more season of working with Sean Payton, you could have had a scenario where he finds his way. He looks like a guy who has no confidence. He looks like a guy who, you know, he had a, he, he just ended up in a scenario where it made sense. And then, then, then now he's just lost. He's lost in the wilderness. He's not Pete Carmichael's guy. He was Sean's guy and Sean's gone. And he's just trying to figure it out. And I, I don't think that he makes the roster. I think you, what you said at the end there is the safety net of having Taysom on the roster and knowing that in the nightmare scenario that both Jameis and Dalton go down, he could play quarterback. Like whether you want him to be the, the quarterback or not, you know and that com- you can win a way. game. You know that he can win a game, right? Like there's value there. You know, everyone wants to just brush off, you know, what uh, six and two as a starter, seven and two as a starter. But if you end up in a scenario where he has to play, you at least feel like, okay, it's not the end of the world. We can find a way. And, that means you don't have to keep three quarterbacks. You can you can be comfortable without him. And, and I just don't think he's done anywhere near enough to justify taking up a roster spot. I think he probably ends up on the practice squad. And like I said last week, he hasn't done anything to get to get claimed anywhere else. So he probably does end up on the practice squad. Yeah, and there, there's a good possibility that next season, we're waiting to see what Jameis Winston does this year, obviously. Um, you're, you, Andy Dalton is your, is your veteran backup guy. He knows his role. And you're hoping uh, that Book can be the future or maybe even a guy that can provide backup stuff. But we, we're seeing that there, there's a good chance that none of these quarterbacks are on this roster this year, next year. I wouldn't say a good chance. Um, I think there's a fair chance that Andy Dalton is not on the roster next year. The question next year is not whether Jameis is on the roster. The question next year is whether you go into it thinking, uh, should we be looking for a young quarterback to to kind of – so it, it it's like you get into next year and what you saw this year does not inspire enough confidence and you want to use Jameis as a bridge to another player, um, like a Jimmy Garoppolo. See, but I, th- I think that answer – I don't think – you know, I'm not saying that's where we're going to end up, but I think that there's very – I don't think there's a scenario where Jameis is just gone. Um, because you don't have the replacement. You know, you if you had a young quarterback or that you were like, oh, okay, let's see what he has, then maybe you can make the argument. But there's no one, and you, maybe if you traded him. But if he plays poorly enough that you want to move on from him, then he's not going to be tradable. So I, I don't see that. But I don't think Ian Book's going to be that guy. And and I, I don't want to be mean to Ian, but I just think that's the reality of the situation. I don't think it's being mean at all. It's obviously just and what we've seen. And that, that's been the, the problem with him is just I, the, the inability to to make that decision and throw the ball. And, and he's just been taking – we've seen him tuck and run too much. This is me projecting my concern that they're going to actually make Ian Book available for an interview one of these days, and he's going to go up there and be like, you're that guy. <laughs> but uh, I'm, just, I'm just trying to be realistic. And I know a lot of people like Ian Book. I think that he, he – I give him all the credit in the world for going out there and taking that beating in week 16 of last year where he had no chance. And I don't think that's the reason that he lost his confidence, but 
um, you know, he just doesn't have it. And uh, I don't it, want to be mean. It's to never him. good when your first pass is a pick. Yeah. I think that well, the issue for Ian is that he was a fourth round draft pick and he shouldn't have been. Um, and that, that makes you feel like he, he's got more invested in him than, than, the, than they do. And with a new coaching staff, I just don't think that's the case. Uh, Demetrius Ramsey has a question here. Has Jamison better on the short reads lately? I actually, I was talking about this um, on Saturday and, and I have this in my notes from the day 10. I've been putting up notes every day. Um, go check them out on www.com. I try to be really detailed in there. So um, hopefully they kind of answer a lot of these questions for you. What Jameis, Jameis today, there was two moments where you kind of saw Jameis kind of fighting against his own instincts. And his instincts are always try to make something happen down the field, try to make something happen down the field. Um, but now he's in an offense with Alvin Kamara. And when the, something isn't available down the field, checking it down to Alvin Kamara is an elite option. It is not, it is not an afterthought in this offense. It is not an afterthought where you're like, okay, this, I don't have anything. Let's see what happens. It's, it's gotta be a faster reaction. It's gotta be nothing's there immediately. How can I get the ball to Alvin? How can I get the ball in Alvin's hands so that he can make something happen? And it's like, you can throw a pass negative two yards from the line of scrimmage. Like, obviously you don't want to throw it backwards fast, but like, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Like the ball doesn't have to go across the line of scrimmage, but you get it in Alvin's hands and suddenly it's a 15, 20 yard gain. We all watch that. I've seen that run against the Packers at least 20 times. One of the most incredible plays I've ever seen from a running back. He never went faster than Eric McCoy and he got all the way to the end zone. Um, if you counted the air yards of that pass, I think it was like negative three yards. Like it, it literally was a pass to the boundary. Maybe it went 30 yards, but it didn't go forward, but it was a touchdown pass for Drew Brees. And those are the passes that Jameis did not make last year outside of Seattle. In Seattle, he made a concerted effort. He, Alvin had 10 catches for 150 yards. I think he had like eight catches for a touchdown in the touchdown in the first half. And then they started bracketing Alvin. And, and when you are forcing a team to bracket your running back in the receiving game, you know how easy that makes life for you? In that game, if you go back and watch it, Davis was taking shots to Kenny Stills wide open. He was taking oh. shots to Kevin White. If they could catch, it would have <laughs> been great. They, they can't catch, so it didn't work. But, like, that was the reason they were open, because you established Alvin in the first half of the game, and then they had nothing to cover these guys downfield. Now if you're talking Chris Olave, you're talking Jarvis Landry, you got Mike Thomas back. Yeah, those targets are a lot, a lot you know, they're catching it. So to kind of get back to the question, um, today he had that kind of reaction. He he went, he he scanned downfield, nothing was there, got us Alvin Kamara in the flat. He did it twice. And I think that that is something that's being coached into him. It is not a natural reflex for him. It's just not he's such a got such a great arm. He's just a great quarterback. He he feels like he can always make something happen, but you can't forego Alvin Kamara just as a check down option, because if you, if you are trade him, because you, you have to use him if he's in the offense. Oh my God. You give me a heart attack saying, I'm not saying you should trade him. I'm just saying if you're not going to use him, then he makes no sense because he is that good of a receiver uh, out of that field. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talk about Alvin Kamara and it's just a talent that clearly stands above the rest at practice. Uh, a, a guy that's just noticeable. Everything he does, uh, Dennis Allen talked about how he also, you know, just practices the right way. And you want that 
from your star player because obviously everybody follows suit as well. You know what I mean? Everyone follows your top dog. And if you got Alvin Kamara given a hundred percent every practice, then why shouldn't I kind of deal? And that burst is there. Uh, his speed, his, the, the vision on Kamara is something that I, you know, it, I joked about it earlier. Just, you can put him away now. I don't even need to see him in training camp practices anymore. I just wanted him ready to go week one against Atlanta. I'm sorry. I was looking for questions and I, I kind of tuned out there. I, I think you made a I great point about Alvin. Any point about Alvin is great. One thing that you, so when you, if you get to watch a Saints practice and I know the fans are probably bummed out. They didn't get to watch practice today. And I always get bummed out for the fans when, or uh, Saturday, I keep saying today. So keep in mind, we're recording this on Saturday. We went, I was out of practice today. Um, and there was thunderstorms and the saints facility is set up like a golf course where if there's thunder in the area, there's a horn that goes off and they all go inside. And I always get bummed because the fans are all in the stands. They got their, they got their helmets, they got their pens, they got their, you know, their jerseys, the balls that get signed and then the lightning and then they all go away and then they'll come back. And it's like, I always feel so bad. Uh, because they all these kids, especially the kids, the kids are out there. It's just like I, they just so desperately want an autograph. Yesterday, uh, or so Friday at practice, there was like he couldn't have been older than seven, and uh, Paulson Adebo was standing uh, by the edge of the field, and this kid was there saying, "Yelling Adebo, Adebo," and I just thought it was so funny. I was like, "How many fan bases is there a seven-year-old in the crowd who knows the?" Uh, third round pick from last year, <laughs> the, the 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 second string cornerback, right? right? With a like, if he was yelling like Alvin, you know, Camara, Jameis, you know, that would be one thing. Selling a Debo, and I just thought that was so cool that just this kid is just like just so. I don't know. It, it's such a unique fan base, and I love it so much. Um, but I don't even know where I was going with that. The the love for football here is definitely clear, and. I, I don't know. We both grew up in the Northeast. And for me, definitely like the, the f- football was important in the in pro football, but college football definitely wasn't uh, as intense over in New Jersey. <laughs> no, 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 no. And like I grew up watching the Giants and I remember going to Giants games and it was like that kind of that kind of is my my just growing up experience of watching football. And I thought that's what like all fan bases were like. The Giants had the most boring fan base in the world. That's why the Saints fan base is so cool, because it's just real people. You know, it's just it's just like people like the whistle monster lives a block away from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like that's just that's so cool. And I've always appreciated that. Um so this is a funny question. Who do you guys think is the front runner for the third running back spot? Well, Kimo, have I got good news for you? I got a segment Go listen for you. to the podcast or just scroll back in this recording because we talk about this for like 20 minutes. You would be stunned at how long we've just ranted about the third string running back. So you got exactly what you're looking for. Go back in this recording or just listen to Inside Black and Gold when it posts uh, whenever, I, whenever I get around to editing this monstrosity of a recording. Um, and uh, you'll have a good time. Ian's going to love you sending him all these segments for sure. Yes, it's going to be a good time. Uh, and I mean, like, I, I we could go do this all night. There's still 74 people in this chat. We're getting comments just left and right questions. I'm going to have to cut it off eventually because I got, I'm going, like I said, I'm going out of town and I got to get ready. 
let's let's answer one or two more questions and then we're going to call it again you're listening to inside black and gold i'm jeff nowak alongside steve geller i've had a lot of fun with this i dare any nfl team to try to play man against us that's austin austin Klaska, who just you know he's the new jerry jpg uh he's here every time and he always has great great insight and i agree you know you're you're gonna have a hard time uh locking up Against if if you have Mike Thomas, if you have Jarvis Landry in the slot, if you have Chris Olave uh, in the Z, and then if you have a, a an Adam Troutman that's that's showing he can just be a reliable pass catcher, and then you have Alvin coming out of the backfield. You know, Ian Rappaport was at Saints camp uh, on Friday, and I've said for a while that I think that the national perspective on this team is very, very, very far away from the local perspective on this team and what but... they think. The, the, the ceiling of this team is right. And so Ian, Ian showed up at practice on Friday and he went on the Pat McAfee show. And I, you know, I, I'm not saying Ian had really low expectations for the saints, but I think that just nationally, there's been a, there's a really low expectations for what this team could do. And he went on Pat McAfee's show and he's like, yeah, this is a playoff team. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a playoff team. Like you can see it, you can see it. And whether they can be a Super Bowl contender, that's another question, but this is clearly a playoff team and you see the weapons they have on offense. Everyone wants to say Jameis can't be, can't be a quality quarterback. I mean, you don't need him to be a star. You just need him to be, to, to play the right way. Trent Dilfer made it to a Super Bowl. Uh, Who's the guy from the Bears? Um, I was going to say Brad Johnson made it to it. Won a Super Brad Bowl. Brad Johnson made it with the Bucks. Who was that little short dude that made it with the Bears? Uh, Florida court. Rex Grossman, Rex Grossman made it to a yes, goddamn go. Super Bowl. And he lost to Peyton Manning as he should have. Um, like, you don't need a perfect quarterback. And I think this team is good enough that, like, if Jameis can be a perfect quarterback, this is a Super Bowl team. I don't now, think you that, need to be. The Twitter sphere is going right now. Jeff Nowak is comparing Rex Grossman to Jameis Winston. That could happen. That could, <laughs> that could happen. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but I'm just saying, like, like this roster is good enough that, like, you know, everyone – but my point is that people like to hate on Jameis Winston so much that they are downgrading this team just because he's on it. And it's wild to me because I've seen Jameis. Jameis works as hard as anybody. And I think that, you know, especially coming off the knee injury, he's become even more of a maniacal worker. And uh, if, if that's, if you're, if you're like uh, Colin Cowherd, he always like, oh, he's so goofy. Like who, who cares? You're only goofy if people don't believe in you. And right now people believe in him on this team. And that's, you can't be goofy in that scenario. Now, if he comes out and he starts eating W's and thinks that's serious, that's another yeah. question. But I, I have faith in Jameis. I think Jameis is going to be good. And I, and, and whether he's great, I don't know, but I think he's going to be good enough for this team to be a playoff caliber team, you know, and, and we'll, once you get there, then, then you start to learn about a player. Jameis has never played in a playoff game. That is probably my biggest question about Jameis is how will he respond in a playoff atmosphere? And I think they're going to learn that answer this year, assuming he gets healthy or assuming he gets to the end of it healthy. And I think you would have learned last year if he had gotten to the end of the season healthy last year, and we just didn't get that chance. The, the biggest thing with Jameis and for whatever reason it is with him is the fact that it's the, the year he led the league in interceptions with 30, but the, the fact that he passed for, for 33 touchdowns and 5,000 plus yards gets overlooked and led the, he led the league in passing yards, uh, had 30 touchdowns, but he also led the league in interceptions 
and everyone wants to focus on the interceptions instead. Uh, and I mean, we, we've seen the no risk it, no biscuit, uh, no biscuit, no risk, whatever he says uh, in Tampa Bay. The, the, the mentality of that passing attack definitely was more aggressive and we've seen Jameis be a more reserved guy that is taking less chances now. And I think that that's obviously the key too, is not, not forcing it. And especially what you mentioned before with when you've got a guy like Alvin Kamara to check down to, please throw it, throw it the negative one, negative two yards to Alvin and he'll make it the positive. Right. That, and that like, I, I, if, if I could make like a birthday wish <laughs> to, to like Jameis, I just need Jameis. Like I need you to just like, and he, and to his credit, he knows this, this is not something that he does not understand. Um, and you saw in like week six against the Seahawks, he threw to Alvin over and over and over again. And then he came back against the Bucks and he got hurt after the first quarter. So he never really had a chance to follow up on that. But I think if you got further in the season, like week four, the, the loss of the Giants, Alvin didn't catch a pass. Jameis knows that was a mistake. Like he knows that that was not the way that this offense should operate. Um, and so like to his credit, like he's, he's working on that. And I think that he'll be better, but yeah, he, he's like, I think that there's going to be points in this season where you're like, okay, we need to, we need to remind you that Alvin Kamara is the best receiving back in the NFL bar none. And you need to get him the ball however you can. And uh, one of the last things we'll get to um, actually, okay. We have, we have this and then we have one more question and then we'll cut it off. Jameis is better than Stafford. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that just because we've seen Matthew Stafford for a long time. We've seen him. He's a veteran quarterback, right? Jameis has not been around that long. And, and I mean, after what you saw Matt Stafford do last season, I think that that is where you're not going to argue with the quality of Matt Stafford. But I put Jameis and Stafford in very similar, I would similar agree, yeah. like airs of like the quality of quarterback play. And if Matt Stafford can lead a quality team with an excellent defense to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl, once he's surrounded with weapons in a way that he was not uh, over the last however many years in, in, De in Detroit, then there's your argument right there for why Jameis is more than quality enough to get to the playoffs and potentially lead this team. Because I think that he does a lot of the same things Stafford does. I think that he is kind of that that really that gunslinger type quarterback who can do a lot of things, but has never really been on a roster that that suited his skill set. And then you put him in the right situation and you can make a run. And I think that, you know, whether he's better than Stafford, it doesn't really matter. I think that quality wise and arm talent wise, they can both do a lot of the same things. With, with Stafford though, I, I would, I would definitely say I, I would probably have the edge over, I would go with him over Jameis just by, uh, a, a slight hair, just but I do have them. You've I seen them the same tier, the same right? tier. To me, the biggest difference between Jameis and Stafford right now is that Matt Stafford has won playoff games, and we have not seen Jameis in that scenario. And not, it's not that he can't; he did it in the college. Like he's clearly he's clearly clutch in that scenario, but we just haven't seen him get get the chance to do it. And until you get there and get the chance to do it and show us that you are that clutch playoff guy, the way Joe Burrow did last year, you know, that that's, it's going to hold you a little bit below. Not that you can't be there, but we just, you know, not knowing is, is not confirmation or negative. Um, with, with Burrow though, I don't know if there was ever a question that dude, we just knew he had it. Yeah. Okay. Last question. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, we got to go. We've been doing this for two and a half hours. I've had a lot of fun. Y'all have been great, but you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pack. This is Marcus Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan's cousin. Most people don't know that about Marcus. 
How do you think Jawan Johnson does in his second year as a tight end? Um, so there's a few things about Jawan Johnson. One, he's he's gotten a little thicker. He's got some junk in the trunk. He's up to two two uh, two fifty, which you know he converted from wide receiver as you as you uh, alluded to there. And I think it was a struggle for him at times trying to understand how to run routes in line, how to block, how to how to assert himself as a tight end and kind of use his body in the way he needs to to dominate um, as a pass catcher at the tight end position, because it's different. It's different than being a wide receiver. Um, and I think that he's, he's woken up a little bit in the second week of camp um, in mini camp in OTAs. It felt like he was trying to be a wide receiver um, in terms of how he was running routes. He was trying to catch stuff on the run. He was trying to finesse too much. And when you're a 250 pound guy, you just have to bully people. And, there was a play the other day where he went up and he just mossed Daniel Sorensen. And that to me is like an indicator that he's starting to understand how he needs to play, which is you're, you're a big dude. You're strong. They're not going to be able to move you. You just got to go through them. And if he can start doing that more often and more frequently, I think that he can be an impact. And I think he and Taysom Hill are going to have an interesting kind of battle in terms of who can assert themselves more at that move tight end position. I think that Lucas Kroll is trending the wrong direction. I said that last week. I don't – I think that he's a practice squad guy at this point. He might be able to build himself up in the preseason games and maybe make him a serious run at the roster. But I think Juwan has a chance. I think that, you know, they kept him around. They, they feel like he has value. And I think he's uh, – the, the first week, I, if you asked me after OTAs and minicamp, I would have I would have told you he's going to have a, a uphill battle to make the roster. But I think what I've seen from him in the last week specifically is really – encouraged me in terms of what he can do the the thing is too with tight end though it's like how how many how, how many do you keep the, here for this team and i don't know with the addition to also now of of chris herndon at the tight end spot i just yep. think it's it gets a little harder for Juwan johnson obviously and uh, we mentioned it. I, I think with the running back position is key for the preseason the tight the tight end position is going to be pretty big as well there's, there's a lot of names there, and uh, sadly, I tend to agree with you, too, with Lucas Kroll, uh, where there's a lot of hope with the undrafted free agent out of pit, but it just hasn't really – there hasn't been enough flashes even. Hasn't translated. He's had, some, he's had some technical issues. Coaches have been getting after him. Uh, and I, I mean, I think he has a chance to develop. I just don't think that's not, that's not going to be this year. Right. Um, and And – yeah, I mean, and that's and that's that's not unusual for a UDFA, right? It's 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 very rare for UDFA to show up and be an impact player in year one. You almost never see it. And I, I think of because of obviously his numbers in college and the the size and the want at tight end. There was a lot of hope there from Houdats. There's people in the comments talking about Sarah McLaughlin. If you can hear that, I'm out of bourbon, so I think that means it's time to wrap this show up again my name is jeff nowak i'm alongside steve geller this is inside black and gold I've had a really fun time talking to y'all and uh make sure to mash that subscribe button if you're watching on youtube i appreciate that if you could go over and subscribe on uh, uh apple Podcasts or spotify wherever you watch your podcast listen to your podcast that'd be great too because we we, we like y'all over there and uh, you know subscriber numbers are important to us 
to Down, help download the odyssey app eventually we'll be download there. the odyssey app yeah we've been having some trouble getting on the odyssey app even though we work for odyssey we don't it's it's definitely not a thing that's been driving me nuts don't not worry about all. that we're gonna keep coming at you um you know I, as i said i'm taking a couple days off i'm getting some rest but i'll be right back at it at saints camp later in the week steve's gonna be out there monday through wednesday make sure to follow him on twitter at steve geller wwl I'll be going radio silent after today through Wednesday because I'll be up in Montana, hopefully without cell reception. You can still follow me if you want at Jeff underscore Nowak. Make sure to check out WWL.com for the latest Saints coverage and all that jazz. Check out Sports Talk Monday through Friday, 4 to 8 p.m. on AM 870 FM 105.3. And thanks so much for following along. Appreciate you folks. And we'll see talking to you soon and definitely pre-game coverage Saturday night!